Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. F1 is back. We're not going to be talking about Man United versus Liverpool over the next hour or so. Instead, we're going to be talking about F1 because it's the Belgian Grand Prix this weekend. Uh, Freddie is off on a holiday in New York, I think, probably watching the tennis or something. I don't know. Uh, but Adam is with me, and we've got our seventh ever guest. It's our first uh, Scottish guest, our first guest with kids. Uh, it is our boss at Total Motorsport, David Schiavone, or Dov as we call him. Uh, are you all right? I don't know why you're bringing my kids into this, Nigel. It's lethal. <laughs> yeah. You all right, Adam? I'm good, yeah. I think David's just discovered how winging it we are. Yeah, I'm good. I'm doing it from a, another new location. I think like 10th or 15th. So he, he's a seventh guest. This is like the 10th different backdrop I've had doing these podcasts. So, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I think this is this is like my fourth or something, but you know. Anyway, uh, let's talk about F1. It's well, I was going to say it's the second half of the season, but there's only nine races to go out of the twenty-two. Uh, we're going to first talk about which drivers need to, I guess, perform slash save their seat uh, for this season. So, Adam, do you have two or three names who come to mind in terms of who needs to perform? Yeah, I mean. To be honest, like a lot of the bottom half of the championship, really, I think from from about Daniel Ricciardo down, it's only really Gasly and Albon who I think are, are kind of safe or don't don't have maybe that pressure going on. But I think there's really a lot. I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of drivers in terms of saving their seat. The list is maybe a bit less. I think Latifi would need a very big. Um, second half of his season and we've spoken about Sonoda whether his seat's that secure but yeah I think there's yeah I I kind of think in the bottom half there's not really many drivers who will be pleased who would kind of take a repeat of the first half of the season to be honest Who do you think needs to perform I guess the most of? Um, Probably Latifi I mean aside from the top obviously Leclerc and Verstappen um, but as, yeah, kind of uh, in terms of like saving their their F1 careers, then Latifi really needs to have a kind of George Russell Williams second half of the season to be up there, to be honest. So, yeah, but um, yeah, obviously at the top, I guess every driver does. Mercedes will want to get their first win of the season. Leclerc really needs a flawless end of the season to have any chance at the championship. Um, and Perez, we've spoken about him as well. He's maybe not the car's moving a bit away from him. Freddie's been on that train for a few weeks. So, if it does carry on that track, then he'll be in a bit of trouble. But yeah, I think it's the drivers at the bottom of grid are under more pressure than the top. Yeah, Dov? Uh, the one name I think you kind of missed out was Mick Schumacher. Yeah. Because obviously last season when he was against uh, Mazepin, that's, does that really count? I didn't think so. And then with Kevin Magazin coming in essentially at last, the last minute and... You can you can argue out outperforming him, although I think in races Schumacher has actually done better than Magnussen um, over the season so far. But I think you, most people would say that Magnussen has kind of outperformed, and I think that's one that's um, interesting because obviously you've got the name, he's got Ferrari backing, um, and he clearly it did what well, did, did really well in the kind of lower categories as well. So it's that that that's one I think is quite interesting, but just. The name, the sponsors he brings in, the attention he brings. Do you keep that mm. for somebody who maybe isn't top, top, top tier or isn't going to be top tier? Obviously, still young. 
or do you just kind of cut your losses and say, right, enough's enough, let's get let's try somebody else. So that, that's one for me that I think is quite interesting, but I agree with the rest. Uh, Latifi is gone as far as I'm concerned, and I think Sonoda's an interesting one as, as well, like whether or not, whether it's worth keeping him too. Yeah, I think it's Joe as well. I think I think he's done better than people thought, but whether he's still doing enough depending on who comes up. If anyone comes up from F2, uh, you know, like tail Porsche, potentially you could join Alpha, then I guess Joe needs to not do anything silly. I don't think he has to do anything amazing. He's just got to make sure he doesn't make, you know, doesn't crash, isn't miles behind, which so far he's pretty much done. So I'd say Joe, Schumacher, Sonoda, Latifi and Ricardo. That'll be my five list of drivers who might need a big second half of the season. Although Ricardo, if he has done a deal with Alpine already, then maybe not. So it yeah, depends on if he's already signed or not. Ricardo's a weird one. I think, firstly, just on, on Schumacher, he's an interesting one because he's, throughout his feeder series career and junior career, then he always had a big second season bump. Yeah. That was, you know, we saw that in F2 and European F3. So, yeah, to to have, I guess that was someone that a lot of Schumacher backers are kind of banking on or were building up before the season. And it's not really shown itself before. But again, if he can come back strong in the second half of the season, then, you know, that will be something to hold on to. Yeah, Ricardo's a weird one because he could, like you say, he could have already signed a deal. McLaren could have already decided that he's not going to be there. I kind of don't, I don't see anything. Well, you know, it's weird with Piastri, but like if, if McLaren is set on paying out his contract and getting rid of him, I don't think anything he does for the rest of the season will change that really but no. it, as you say it might be kind of picking up um you know a, another potential suitor or he might have already found that he's he's a really 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 weird one where i don't really know kind of where to begin analyzing him yeah what are your thoughts on the ricardo saspiastri situation dov it's, it's the, you can see where mclaren are coming from in the sense that ricardo's been more or less a disaster like you, you could even you could say that i mean given that the, the kind of the fanfare he came in to the team with, the money he's on, what he's done in the past, and he's he's done like, apart from the win in Monza last season, that's it. He's done literally nothing else of note that I can even think of. Kind of most weekends go by and you barely kind of think about him. That's kind of how much for me he's disappeared into the kind of Formula One ether. So I think for him, if he's going to stay in an F1, then he needs to go somewhere where he can perform and get back to the levels that everybody knows he can drive at because he is can everybody said he's one of the best overtakers and 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 f1 has been like that for a long time but now he just he's just i don't say nothing but he's just disappeared a wee bit and yeah. you kind of want like he's a big name he's a, he's a nice kind of chap to have around the paddock as well he's got, he's got a personality which is great in any sport um so you, you kind of would want him to stay around but do you want him to do a Sebastian Vettel and be 17th, 18th, um, happy if he gets into Q2 or something? Like, like you don't really want that. So for me, he would need to go somewhere where he's kind of able to fight and he's got a car that's maybe more suited to him that, he, that enables him to fight. Otherwise, I don't know, he, why not go over IndyCar or NASCAR or something like that? Because he's a yeah. big name. So, I mean... If he's not going, he's not going to challenge for any F1 titles or anything like that, and the rest, the rest of his career. So, why not go over and 
have a go at IndyCar or NASCAR because he, he he does like those series as well. So why not? Yeah, absolutely. It's the most. He's one of the most bizarre or like most confusing driver situations. Ricardo, this century, I think in F1 to be someone who's rated by pretty much everyone as a top five driver before he joined McLaren because he was still pretty decent at, as it was called Renault, which is how been now. And then to just be so far behind Norris is just bizarre, you know, in two different car regulation things as well, last year and then this year with the new regs. So it, I can't really explain it. I don't think he can as well, which is part of, part of the problem. So, well, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, um, well, he knows where, where he's losing time, but doesn't know how to improve it almost. So, yeah, yeah it, it, it's, it's kind of quite sad kind of listening to him speak each weekend. Cause it's, yeah, it's like, oh, you know, we've, we know we're losing time in this sector, but just can't find a way around it. And it was one one of, if not the for podcasts we did, which I wouldn't recommend anyone listening back. But um, <laughs> but I think we we talked about Alonso, Sainz, and um, Ricardo, who were all on that merry-go-round or carousel switching seats, and who was going into the best best position. I think we all said Ricardo, and yeah. you know, it's just a sign of how yeah how how quickly things. And that wasn't that was the consensus really. It felt like for for a lot of the, the F one um media so yeah it it's just a yeah like you say it's just a strange case of how someone can fall from grace that quickly yeah now on one day it was announced that antonio Giovinazzi was going to drive in two practice sessions for oh i forgot the team i should know it was it house <laughs> he's gonna drive at uh usa and monza uh i think that i sh- should have really Left this on as a tab, but I haven't. That's why. We're, that's why we're winging it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, Monza and USA for Haas. Yeah, I knew Haas. I was just testing you. Uh, but yeah, did that, I didn't expect. I didn't think he would be driving in an F1 car again because you know he's been he's been in Formula E. Hasn't been very good there. I think he's the only driver who didn't score a point all season. I think. Uh, and yes, he only left F1 last year. But could is he another? potential contender or is this just because it is weird because it because the requirements this year is for you have to have drivers in at least two practice sessions in the season who haven't done any F1 mileage so he and he has so he doesn't even count towards that two mandatory session thing so do you guys read anything into that Dov? Uh, it's got uh, lots of hallmarks of Ferrari all over that mm. Haas with further links to Ferrari Giovinazzi Ferrari, I think he's the reserve driver just now, obviously come through their uh, academy in that as well. That's what it strikes to me. I don't see things with Haas. I don't think Haas are in a position to start taking many more risks in terms of young talent, right. um, just because they've not got the money. Whereas if they've got Ferrari, like here, give him a chance, give him another chance. We, we've got his salary covered. Don't worry about it. Um, then, yeah. But to be honest, I think after his performances in Formula E this season, I would be very, very surprised if he managed to get an F1 drive. Like, really, I can't, I can't even imagine him being on the grid anytime soon, unless kind of something happens and you get a Nico Hockenberg style thing where he comes yeah. in for a couple of Grand Prix and does something fantastic. Um, but what I'd say is, that, no. what I'd say is, two years ago at this time of the year, no one thought Nikita Mazepin would ever be in the Haas seat, and then he and it, it happens most years actually. There's probably. Lots, plenty of examples. Well, in August, September, you don't expect a certain person to be in F1, and suddenly, if you want to say that they are, so it could be one of those. Uh, yeah, have you got any thoughts on that, Adam? 
yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point. F1 is always unpredictable, but I just can't. With Mazepin, you could at least see the path where he would, you know, get into an yeah. F1 seat. And it was, yeah, a, a lot of money and finishing in the top five or six, whatever he needed for a super license points. With Jovanazzi, with I don't, I just don't get what how anyone really benefits. I can't see Ferrari wanting him. And I know he's done like kind of bits and pieces with their sports car. He raced in a month before he started in F1, yeah. I believe, for Ferrari. But, you know, the fact that he's not done anything since is a bit weird. So I don't know whether it's for that or whether they just want to keep him in because he's Italian in the Ferrari setup. I don't know. It, it's just, yeah, I, I don't. I agree with Dov, you know, it, it kind of smacks of Ferrari wanting to, you know, kind of throwing their weight around a bit. But I don't really think we ended his F1 career without, with many uncertainties about Giovinazzi. It felt like we knew what he was and what he wasn't. So, yeah, it's it's a really straight, you know, it, it's not, in itself, it's not that big because, you know, it's a it's a practice session at tracks that they've been to a million times before or, you know, they they, they know well and it's not... You know, I, I don't think has kind of lose out that much by it, but I just don't really see who gains apart from Antonio himself. And like you say, his Formula E's been poor this season. Even I know that. So yeah, <laughs> it, it's just it, it's really bizarre, and it might be nothing, but yeah, I just can't see where the motivation is for someone putting him into the seat. So we're both well, we're all, we're all thinking it's a one percent chance that he'll be back in F one. I would put it less than that, Nigel, really, honestly. I think you're struggling to, to even get 1% out of mm, I think there's a definitely in a in a full-time seat. I guess, like you say, if there's a you know driver injury, then he might be the first person to step in and won the Ferrari seats, but that's the only way. And even then, you know, that's not going to be I don't think that's going to have any long-term prospects. So yeah, for, for a full-time seat, I really just don't see any way. But I could be wrong. I have been yeah. many times. Many, many times. Uh, Tail Porsche, you wanted to speak about him a little bit, Adam, before we talk about all things Belgium. He said he isn't going to be racing in F2 next year. So, you know, does that mean he's got something signed up with F1 or is that just him trying to put pressure on other teams maybe? Or, you know, is there something that we don't know? I, yeah, I, I think it might be trying to put pressure on him. Oh, sorry, on, on other teams. But I just said think this it's, about two or three weeks ago, by the way, I should say. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think it's a really kind of interesting tidbit because he's done two and a bit seasons. So he, he was only, he was in F4 as recently as 2019. And then he did one season of F3 and then did a bit of F2 in that season and then has done full F2 seasons the last two years. So he's a bit like Sonoda, kind of catapulted very quickly. But he's kind of been stuck in F2. So, yeah, I think we, you mentioned earlier with Joe that he, he'll he need to, you know, keep keep a standard for the rest of the season to, you know, keep keep off the pressure of Porsche. But with, you know, a few seats potentially being open and maybe teams looking around at the last minute because at the moment we've got one driver split between two seats. So, I think he's maybe trying to put himself in the shot window there, but I just think it's quite an interesting, certainly an interesting time to make the announcement of Formula E because he did some testing for Formula E. So he could go and get a drive there. I mean, he's only 18 as well. So I think if he he can keep in Formula E and have a season uh, there and he does well, then that could set him up nicely to kind of make 
the jump across. Yeah, Alex Albon was meant to do Formula in twenty twenty. Is when he lost the Red Bull seat. So it would have been twenty twenty. I think, yeah, it was end of 2020. He actually did a test for Nissan, but then, uh, oh no, would this have been last year? I can't remember. I'm losing my mind. But anyway, he did a test informally for Nissan, uh, and then he ended up getting back into F1 uh, or something like that. No, was, was, was it before he got his before, Rosso seat? Yeah, I think it was his first F1 season. Because that was quite yeah, late. Sorry. Yeah, it was that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was for him to join F1. Yeah, because I don't think he expected it. So this would have been 2019. Uh, yeah. Yes, from the very start of 2019. There you go, got there in the end. Yeah, so he did a test uh, for Nissan in Formula E, and then he was going to do a Formula E season, but then he jumped to F1. So it could be something very similar with uh, Porsche. Uh, mm. Are there any other F2 drivers we think that could, you know, get onto it? I, I know we did a predicting the 2023 lineup thing. A few weeks ago, but I can't remember what I said. I think the only ones, the old, the only other ones mentioned was Sergeant. I mentioned Porsche, obviously. Some, I think apart from them, two, someone mentioned Drogovic. No, oh yeah, Drogovic. To apart from them, can't remember what. We're not getting on the Vips train, no. That one's away. <laughs> I don't think he's quite good enough anyway. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think. I think it's it's definitely an interesting one with Porsche. I think the Formula E is a good shout, but I do, you know, like with happen like what happened with Albon or if Red Bull decide that Sonoda isn't their future and they could bring him in, I think there'd be kind kind of potential there. But yeah, I think it's probably about him trying to put himself in the shot window, but I think he timed it very well to to announce. Other than that, I I don't know. I I maybe see Sergeant taking another year. That's what I said in the prediction, but I equally wouldn't be shocked mm-hmm. if he comes in to Williams, he's a Williams junior driver and gets that seat instead of Latifi next year. So, um, so yeah, but I think that's, yeah, there's not really the depth that we had in, um, say, 2020 in Formula mm-hmm. 2. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, so still a lot going on in the driver market. Nothing has really happened in the last few weeks since the Piastri gate thing started. And interestingly, Piastri, uh, was said to be driving in Spa this weekend in FP1. Not sure that's still going to happen. It'd be hilarious if it does, and the situation is still not resolved. So we might hear something over the next few days. But let's talk about Belgium then. It's contracted to be the last one, but is it going to be the last one, Dov? Mm, that's a tough one because you need to get in all the ins and outs and the money involved and things like that. Obviously, they, they did some kind of there's some renovation work yeah. on, on, on the circuit, mm. obviously, to, to kind of bring it up to the, to stand, the standard of kind of the newer um, circuits around. It's one that everybody loves. I mean, the drivers all love it. We as spectators and fans and journalists all love it as well. It's got the, the history. It's got um, Eau Rouge. It's, just, it's got everything for me. And yeah. to take it off the calendar... It's just one of those things that just smacks of it's just a money decision and nothing else. It's just, oh, well, somebody else is going to offer us more money in Miami or Las Vegas or whoever. So, sorry, Spa, see you later. And I just think Formula One's a very old sport and it's one that's kind of, the tradition is something for me that's very important. 
Mm. I like the tradition. I like eat like go like obviously the Monaco, for example, the Monaco Grand Prix is rubbish, right? Generally, just nothing happens in it. But going to Monaco, yeah, it's, it's just a kind of like a jewel in the crown almost. So I think they would have to they should do everything they can to keep it. Um, otherwise, we're just going to end up going to Qatar and Saudi Arabia and all the Emirates because they can pay more money. Mm. And I think that's maybe not the best idea. I think these traditional circuits that have the history, that have the legends that have raced on them in the past is something that we should that should be kept. And I think you, you'll, you'll struggle to find anybody that would disagree with that, to be honest. Although I'm waiting on Adam saying that this is rubbish. Go away, go. <laughs> no, absolutely, I, I fully agree with that. Adam? I, I would be absolutely staggered if it is the last Grand, uh, Belgian Grand Prix ever. Like, really, I just don't, I don't think as, as kind of mercenary as F1 is, then there is that higher tier. And, you know, we've seen Grand Prix just, you know, in the last 10 years or so, we've had the Austrian Grand Prix return from big hiatus, the Dutch Grand Prix and French Grand Prix come back as well. So I think, you know, even even if it is the last one for a while, I don't think it's the going to be the last one forever because things do come back. But even having said that, like it's one of the original four um, 1950 yeah. um, Grand Prix. And there's only, I think there were seven that season. And one was Indy 500, one was Switzerland, which bans motor racing. And then one was the French Grand Prix at Reims, which had about four corners. So there's not been a circuit of that history drop off the calendar in a very, very long time. There were talks about whether it had share, um, share a spot with Paul Ricard which would be pretty rubbish but um, I don't know if kind of I, that was a while back that was at the French Grand Prix so I don't know if you know there's been more recent updates on that but yeah I just don't I think f- fundamentally I don't see it dropping off the calendar at least fully I think at the minimum it will be on a like rotation with another circuit I really hope it is and I really hope it does stay because of all, all of the reasons you've said and it is that link you know it's really the only the only track that I can think of of that caliber and that status that has dropped off Silver the calendar is—I was going to say the Nordschleife that has oh, that wow. has dropped off the calendar, <laughs> and that was for entirely different reasons. So, you know, for for all F1 is you know an evolving sport and is a money grabbing sport, then I think there are cornerstones that they'd like to hold on to. At least I'd, I'd like to hope so. And you know, we saw. But it has it has been leaving. I mean, you know, Williams were the last you know privateer team to go, and that was um, about a year ago. Was it a year or two years ago? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I really, I'd really like to believe that it will stay. And yeah, I, I really hope so. And I kind of can't see it, but nothing about F1 would surprise me in terms of letting go of its heritage for more money. To be honest, yeah, I mean, imagine the fan react. Well, no. Of course, they'll say they care about the fans, but like well, this money is, you know, the real factor. But the fan reaction would be absolutely crazy. I think, you know, if the if they have when they announce the calendar for next year, the spot isn't there, it'll be just be mad. And I, I think I'm optimistic because I, I I remember a few years ago Monza was being talked about uh, about not being on the calendar, and you know now it's seems pretty set, you know, that F1 is going to be at Monza over, over, over the next few years. So I Silverstone, think, kind of about 15. Yeah, Silverstone as well, loads of times. Yeah, just talk about moving it to Donington, that kind of thing. That was like 10, 11 years ago now, and then they made a whole new section. So, so one point I would say about that is, in the past, they were negotiating with Bernie, 
And I think, you know, the way that he liked to do things is he would leave let the time run down in terms of contracts to, to short as possible to get a better deal for him in Formula One. But he knew that, you know, the, these old tracks in Monza and Silverstone or whatever would stay on the calendar. But I think with the Americans, because Liberty Media, in my opinion, they, they don't really care about all the, the history or the nostalgia. They, they, they Literally, their bottom line is, how much money can we make? End of story. And I think that's the uh, the main point uh, in terms of the negotiations, negotiations with all the circuits is how much money does this bring in for F1? Um, if they get a couple of tracks where it's negligible, say you're, say you're choosing between Spa and Miami or something like that, um, if the, if the money is negligible, you'd maybe take Spa because of the history. But if you've got other tracks that are just going to give you so many more millions compared to older traditional track, I think the, the Liberty Media are just going to go straight with um, the, the the one that brings in more money. And I mean, the fact that kind of, they talk a lot about new Formula One fans, the, the, the people that have come in through Drive to Survive, do they care that Spa's on the calendar? I don't think so. I don't think they could care less because they'll just be like, oh, is the racing good? Does does it make a good series on Netflix? That's that's all they really care about, and they're the ones that are driving um, Formula One into its new era. Yeah. So it's ultimately, as with everything, it comes down to money, and that's where Liberty will go to. Mm. And I, I think as well, even the big, you know, kind of cl- classic F one fans or ones that haven't just come in through the last few years, you know, even serious F1 fans, like as much as we'd all not want to see Spa off the calendar, I don't, there's not, you know, there's only so much that you can do. And I don't think, I don't think that many people are going to stop watching altogether or cancel their, you know, F1 TV subscriptions or whatever, because, because it's left, I think, you know, whatever, if, if it does, if it is off the calendar, there'll be there'll be a big you know fuss kicked up at the time. But I don't think there'll be that much long term. Um, I don't think there is that many long term things that people can do. It you never know, happens, to, Adam. It never happens. Yeah. People say, "Oh yeah, we're gonna cancel." Even after Abu Dhabi, you know, all the people are going crazy. I said, "I'm never watching F1 again. I'm canceling yeah. everything." And then two or three months later, they've forgotten about it and they're already yeah. for. The first Grand Prix this season it happens in every single sport, no matter what goes on. You get the initial kerfuffle and re- like crazy reaction, especially now with social media. But then it gets forgotten about really fast. I mean, like, are you going to stop watching Formula One because yeah. Spa's not on the calendar? It, it's you. You need a European Super League level of response because that's the only thing that I can really think where fans have made a difference, and it's just not. It's just not going to have that. F one's not big enough. That there's not. Obviously, as F1 fans, everyone loves Spa, but there's not that emotion, you know, tied into it. That's the only, that's the only kind of example where it has ever made, you know, meaningful change. So, yeah, I. But having said all of that, I'd still be very surprised to see it go. But you know, there's there's a possibility, and like you say, it's not. You know, Bernie was still a, an F1 man. Liberty aren't. You know, they are exterior. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where do we rank Spa kind of in our? Oh, top five or top ten track because it you know right at near the top is it falling bit because for me I think because I know they've brought back some of the gravel traps and that kind of thing but it used to be gravel absolutely everywhere Oruz was a lot tougher as well so it's probably dropped like 
don't know, fourth or fifth behind a few tracks, I'd say. You know, 15 years ago, it'd probably be number one or number two, uh, but probably not now, I think. Yeah, it, it's a difficult one because as well, there's not been a great Belgian Grand Prix in a while. Obviously, last year's was a complete farce, but there's not. You know, it's kind of a, the Mercedes track and, you know, Leclerc won there in 2019, but there's not, there's not been that one where it's like, yes, that is, you know, really, you know, that is going to go down, down in history as far. So, and I, th- I think in terms of one to go to as, as a fan, it's still way up from, I don't know. I'll probably have a top three of about eight tracks, but you know, it is, it would be in contention to be like my top three or four um, as a, as a fan to go to, but yeah, as, as a track, as a, you know, as a race, I look forward to. I think you're right. It's probably it's probably fallen down a bit. It'd be in the five, you know, the six to ten range for me, rather than the first five. I'd say. Off. I don't know where I would rank it. It's just always one of the, it's one of the ones that you always you don't want to miss. Mm. Just because I think there's a level of unpredictability at Spa, as we've seen <laughs> last year, where we thought we would see a race, and that didn't even happen. Um, but you know, can I go back? Like obviously I'm a wee bit older than the new guy so I can kind of remember like one of my favourite ones was when Michael Schumacher went into the back of Coulthard and then went to kill him Yeah, um, and that was that was just crazy and then obviously there was I, I don't know if it, I think it was the same race where they had the crazy start as well where just everybody yeah, crashed that, yeah, yeah, that's remember, right, yeah. honestly I can remember watching that thing and wow this is mental this is amazing because it was just absolute carnage and that's Spaz always got that you know there's always that in the background. Something could yeah. happen. And I think that kind of that tension and that, that that level of unpredictability is something that I think is unique. And there are there aren't many circuits you can get that. So that's why I think it's one of the better ones, even now. I've, yeah, I've, I think I do is right. There hasn't been many great races. I mean, I'm probably thinking back all the way to like 2008 or something when Raikkonen and Howard in the final three or four laps had a amazing uh, duel. It was like raining, they're on dry tyres. Because since then, the, you know, there's been moments, of course, like, you know, the Grosjean crash in 2012 and Leclerc winning after Antoine Hubert, the F2 driver sadly passed away, that kind of thing. But in terms of, you know, a proper race-long scrap or something like, or a big battle, we haven't really had that for quite a long time, I think. Uh, but yeah, mm. that, that said, you know, for me, it's still like fourth or fifth on my list of best F1 trucks. There was the Mercedes coming together in oh, 2016, yeah. 14, 14, 16. Yeah. Um, Ricardo won that one. Yeah, maybe that's the last. I, I mean, like you, I think 2008 the one that really sticks out, but yeah, it's just not, I guess it's just not delivered. And like you say, the gravel traps and as the cars, or the gravel traps disappearing as, as the cars have got faster. And yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully we'll see a bit of a return to that I think it's set up quite nicely for this weekend, but you know, you just never know. It's been set up nicely before and hasn't delivered. So like yeah, last season. Absolutely. Let's talk about this weekend then. It's been a while uh, since F4, since we've had F4. We've had time to calm down after Ferrari's strategy mistakes. Uh, luckily, I haven't had to write about it for a few weeks. I'm going to be after every single race, at least. That's what it's been felt like for the last few months. Uh, is it? A must win for Ferrari, do you think, Dov? Because I think it has got to that stage now. 80 points behind is Leclerc. It's got to be a must win, right? What was it? Was it after Hungary? 
um, when Binotto said that Ferrari have to win all the rest of the races. Sil- was that Silverstone? It? It? I may be I the one before. I can't remember exactly, yeah. but I remember it when there's ten races to go. So the one before last, yeah, in France, that was after. He said that Ferrari need to win every single race from now to the end of the season. It looked like they were going to start well in Hungary, <laughs> and somehow they managed to screw that up. Um, if if they don't get a win. In Belgium, then it's, it's pretty much finished anyway. But I think then you can pretty much start writing your Max Verstappen World Champion articles now, and there'll be no issues with uh, having to change it or anything like that come the end of the season. I think Adam, you you wrote an article that's still to be published about the is it the constructors title or the drivers title? Basically, history says that yeah, yeah, already. Whoever's led, whoever's led after. Hungary has has won it. I think all the way back to O three or O two. Yeah, so wow. it's, it's going to be so. Ferrari are going to have to do something genuinely amazing. Genuinely, yeah. given given the state that the team's in in terms of organisation and um, decision making and stupid mistakes and even luck. So like luck does play a part sometimes. Everything is going to need to turn around for 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 Leclerc to win the drivers' title and Ferrari to win the constructors title and I think knowing Ferrari I haven't known Ferrari for a long time Michael Schumacher's not there anymore it's going to be it's just not going to happen it's, yeah. as sad as it is to say is that they, it looked like we were going to get an amazing season and we have done but it's been an amazing in a different way and now you've just seen a team completely implode yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah it's it's possible everything's possible until it's not but <laughs> This one is not possible. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's. I think they pretty much, even if they, you know, if, if Leclerc and Verstappen finish one two every race and Leclerc gets fastest lap, I think they'd still only win with a margin of something like 20 points. So that's what they're playing with. That's, you know, if they, everything goes perfectly, or I guess how it should, then it's not it's not going to work for them, really. Or, you know, they, they've just got such a fine margin to to make it work so they need to they need to absolutely win and really get a one two and hope that mercedes can help them out at the tracks that they're strongest with and they still need to beat red bull at the tracks that red bull is stronger and the way they'd have to do that is through probably you know good strategy and being able to outfox them and they've just not shown they're able to do that so like i, I guess like i said at the start with joe Nazi, i don't really see a path that they do win it but on the plus side if they do then it will be one of the the biggest you know most historic stories comebacks ever so there's that to i guess you know hold in hope yeah, we've got three races in the next three weeks. It's the only triple header of the season. Uh, Spars, Abfort, Monza. I think Ferrari probably have to win them all just to get some momentum going. But I think the thing for me is, and, and Dov's right, even if Ferrari had the fastest car by half a second at the final nine races, I was still wouldn't trust them with strategy yeah. or, or the engine blowing up or, or mistakes from the drivers or the team. Because, and, you know, that one DNF and bang the you know the back to three or four races you know it's taking one step well four steps forward one massive step back kind of thing so that is the problem even if they have the best car which I don't think they will anyway yeah. uh, because I think Red Bull uh, well every team's going to be bringing some big upgrades this weekend because of the new regs so you can de- you can develop more in this early phase of the new uh, regs uh, but I, I still think it's going to be quite close between Red Bull and Ferrari. Anyway, so the chances are very slim. Uh, there is a new technical directive. It 
it's very technical. Not even I understand it. And I'm an absolute nerd about F1, but I will read what it's about in case in case the listeners or viewers want to know or have forgotten about it. So this was announced a couple months ago now, I think, uh, that they're bringing in uh, some new tests, basic, basically, to uh, see who, see how the teams are controlling the porpoising and the flexi flaws, because there's a big debate about our teams let's say, cheating or taking advantage of the rules in terms of flexible floors. So there's, so there's going to be some tests about that. Uh, Red Bull and Ferrari have said that they won't have to the cars too much, whether they're just saying that, I don't know. But do you think, do you really think the pecking order is going to change that much because of that, guys? Mm, I, I don't see it personally. I mean, Mercedes, I think Mercedes said that they thought it will take two tenths off um, Ferrari and Rebel, but they seem, they seem very optimistic. I don't know whether that's because they really need to to have any chance. Um, if you know, it seems like they were pushing for it, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think it's a kind of it's just you know the F one thing of trying you know trying to scrub as much speed off your rival, you know, or taking any avenue that might hinder your rivals if possible. So. Yeah, they they kind of seem hopeful that it will. I don't really agree with that optimism, to be honest. Yeah. Any thoughts, Dov, on it? Or no, honestly, I, I, I think at this stage of the season, I think you're going to pretty much see the same teams in the same order. Really, you're not going to get unless there's a crazy massive upgrade. But I think with the cost cap, it really kind of stops teams bringing in huge developmental upgrades mid-season. Um, so I think Mercedes might get a bit closer if the directive hurts um, Red Bull and Ferrari and the suspicions of Red Bull and Ferrari using the, the, the flexi floor thing to their advantage, if that's the case. But I still think that the Ferrari and Red Bull are so far ahead of everybody else yeah. that it's, at this stage it's just going to be too much for Mercedes to kind of catch up. They, they might be able to do something on specific tracks where their car works better. Other than that, I think you, there, may be, there may be a wee a little bit closer, but you know, they're not going to see much else. But yeah. say this, this is the thing. Like we think this, but then Formula One will bring up a crazy surprise and a, mm. a little tweak here and there will completely ruin um somebody's kind of developmental path and bring yeah. somebody else into the that you never thought about. I think this is this is a fight um, Red Bull Ferrari we're going to see. Um, and in next season, we'll see what the technical directives and regulations bring. But now, no. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. And who do we think is going to come out on top this weekend? Uh, pole position. And I feel I feel like we've not done this predictions thing for a long. I don't think we've done it for the last it's few. Not been any races for. Yeah, for yeah a month, no, I think so. even like the last few ones we haven't done it. But yeah, pole position and win. Uh, one word each. <laughs> Or does, it, does it have to be the same word for both? Well, all right, two words for the two answers then. <laughs> uh, Leclerc, Paul Verstappen, win. Yeah. Le- Leclerc, Leclerc. I think we're, we're going say to that every single weekend. Well, yeah, yeah, Saturday, Saturday's Leclerc shoe-in. Saturday's yeah. when Ferrari get everything right. It's Sunday when they screw everything up. So, um, but I'm going I'm to... I need to. You need to be hopeful, Nigel. You've got to think positive, and I'm positive that Charles Leclerc Ferrari have had a few weeks to say, "Right, lads, come on, let's sort this out," and then they're going to go and just sweep the board. Nine, nine victories, nine pole positions, nine fastest laps. Max is going to DNF in nine races, and it's going to be an easy 
World Championship for Leclerc. How about that? There, there's a prediction for you. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if Leclerc's just spent the last four weeks rocking in a dark room somewhere, to be honest. <laughs> just crying, like, how did this happen? <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah, my prediction. No, I think it is going to be Leclerc, Leclerc. I think, right. I think Ferrari are going to get a one-two, actually. I think, I think the high-speed nature of Spa, although that said, I've just remembered, I think they're going to be taking grid penalties. Because <laughs> Leclerc's on his third, because well, he took a grid penalty in Canada, but out of all the tracks, this is the one to take it, isn't it? Because he can overtake and he can race. And actually, Verstappen could as well because he had a problem with one of his engines. So they're not going to take it in Monza. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so maybe. I think we could see a few grid penalties actually. I forgot to remember that. So. Mm. It's a good I don't... So it's, it's not going to be a Ferrari one two actually. <laughs> thinking about thinking out loud, I'm going to go Mercedes are going to win. Then, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. I don't see Which Mercedes one? Hamilton. I, I, aside from grid penalties, I don't really see Mercedes. You know, I just don't see it as being like a track that really plays to their strengths. Unless they have managed yeah. to turn the car around a lot, then even. You know, we've seen in the past few races that the lead Mercedes driver has been able to outbattle the kind of second um, Red Bull or Ferrari. But I think here, here out of all tracks apart from maybe Monza, then I, I think this is one where, you know, I'd, I'd expect Perez to be able to beat the fastest Mercedes can offer anyway, just as an example. So, yeah, I kind of don't. Yeah, I don't really see it, but we'll see. Although there is wet weather forecast on Saturday and Sunday. Hopefully not as much as last year, obviously. But So that could, you know, that extra factor yeah. could help as well, yes. But, That'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see who came out on top between Russell and Hamilton there because it's been, I think it's 1-1 at the moment in wet weather. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, grid penalties, Ferrari problems, it's just a normal F1 weekend. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's pretty much everything. We will hopefully be back for a small review depending on holidays and time off and work and stuff uh, but yeah uh, so until then thanks Adam thanks Dob for a one-off hopefully many of a few appearance <laughs> uh, yeah. until then we'll see you next time yeah